Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. Welcome to Revolution. Uh, thanks for having service uh, in your ears, wherever you are. Um, man, been a crazy week. It's tough being a dad, um, parent, sometimes. And uh, been been parenting, trying to be a good dad and find things to do. I guess what's been tough is not the parenting so much as the finding things to do when it's nine degrees outside and you don't want your child to freeze to death, but you still want to have fun. So that's been a real fun experience. Also, I've been struggling a little bit with my own depression. Um, Weather's not helping, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I share that with you because I want you to know that, you know, I know a lot of you do struggle with depression, do struggle with feeling alone and, and abandoned or maybe uh, lost. And I want to let you know you're not alone and uh, your pastor doesn't have any secret. If that's what you're looking for, someone who has the secret, I'm not it. Um, I'm a fellow traveler in this world of uh, strangeness, which is very painful at times. Um, but you're not alone. You don't suffer alone. And, uh, I hope you know that. But yeah, anyway, enough about that. We've been going through Galatians, um, and we just got out of Galatians 4. We ended in Galatians, actually, 5, 1. So today we're going to start in Galatians 2, or Galatians 5, 2. And, uh, you know, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is dealing with people who are trying to bring the law back to a group of people. Um, they got the message that they have grace, that salvation is a free gift, uh, that it's not about works, it's not about... Uh, Deeds. It's not about tradition. It's not about practicing and recognizing certain holidays and things like that. But that it was just, just a great a gift. Uh, so it just is. And a group has come in and said Paul's teachings about that were wrong, and that they need the law as well. And Paul is very upset because Galatians, the Gauls have kind of obviously sounds like they've fallen for what's being said and gone back to the law and back to the way. One of the big things was uh, was circumcision. So Paul starts here in 2 saying, Listen, I, Paul, am telling you that if you yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no benefit to you. Once again, I testify every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the entire law. Now before you all go out there and start to follow the law, you, my fellow circumcised friends um, who are out there, uh, 
you who want to be justified by the hold on law have cut yourself off from Christ. I like his play on words here, cutting yourself off, off from Christ. Uh, you have fallen away from grace. Now this is, okay, we've got two things going on here. Um, well, here, let me continue to read and then we'll go back up. I'm going to read down to six. For through the spirit of faith, we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts. So there you go. No worries there. For anything, the only thing that counts is faith working through love. All right. Everything we've just read, pretty cool. Um, four, you who, when, you who want to be justified by the law have cut yourself off from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Uh, I wrote a book called Fall to Grace. Um, and one of the reasons I, I titled that was, was a few reasons. One was there was a really cheesy TV movie made about my parents called Fall to Grace or Fall from Grace. Um, but the reason I did Fall to Grace is because so many people have made it seem like when you mess up, you make a mistake, when you sin, uh, you know, when you miss the mark, whatever, you fall from grace. And clearly that's not what Paul's saying here. Clearly, uh, when you fall from grace is when you return to the law. When we rebuild a system that was torn down, um, I would say a lot of us are reconstructionists. Uh, we reconstruct a new type of law, uh, and make new Testament, uh, Scripture, Bible verses, as we pick and choose and turn those into some sort of law, uh, if one is a follower of Christ or not. And so when we do that, Paul is saying, we have fallen from grace. So it's when we actually return to the law, return to trying to say someone must be circumcised or someone must be straight or someone must be this or someone must be that, we are falling from grace. Now, a lot of people would disagree with me there, and that's fine. A lot of people disagreed with Paul, so I find myself in good company. Um, yes, so when you fall from grace is when you return to the law. I see a lot of pastors and churches and things, and people who seem to have fallen from grace. Uh, they seem so focused on law, so focused on works, so focused on certain particular details of the New Testament and have created them into ideas of law, taken certain passages and created them into a doctrine that has uh, become like law, and they've fallen from grace. When our doctrines become law, we fall from grace. And unfortunately, a lot of doctrines are law. Uh, you can see that by the fact that when people don't follow the doctrines, they are often uh, excommunicated or let go from the denominations. Um, that is what it is. That's not me. I mean, you know, that just is what it is. Yeah, see it how you'll see it. But um, when we create new law, that's what happens. And so that's what it means to fall from grace. For through the spirit of faith, we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. So, you know, it's saying if you've been circumcised, if you practice these things, they don't count for anything or, or, or against you. And it's not also, you know, if you want to have these traditions, 
There's nothing wrong with these traditions as long as you know that they're not your hope. They're not your salvation. Uh, they are not Christ. They are not your faith. They are not your ultimate concern. So the only thing that counts is faith working through love. Um, here's another, uh, I've always inter- interested in the way things are phrased, and uh, I'm reading from the NRSV, so I rely a lot on this translation being very close. But look at this. Let's think about this. The only thing that counts is faith working through love. Not love working through faith, but faith working through love. Now, or uh, only thing that counts is uh, faith made effective through love. It's also uh, a translation. I actually kind of like effective better than I do working. Uh, the only other thing that counts is faith effective, made effective through love. Um, we often do it the other way around. We often think, try to make love work or effective through faith. And so this idea of these rituals and these traditions and our laws, um, scripture, different things like that, bec- become above love. And so we we put that all through kind of like, you know, it's not faith through, it's not faith through love, but it's love kind of through faith, through a faith lens that says, well, you know, I mean, have you ever been rebuked by other Christians or argued with other Christians, especially ones that think you're a heretic or you're going to hell? And they're like, no, brother, I, ju- I love you. Um, I remember watching uh, a pastor arguing with another pastor and and this preacher was just trying to be like, you know, brother, I just love you and I'm just telling you the truth. And if you can't, I'm sorry, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. You know, and the pastor said, you don't love me. Don't pretend to love me. You know, the way you treat me, the way you act, the words that you use don't express or show any type of love. It was actually Pastor Mel White who, who said that to this other pastor. He's like, you know, don't pretend to love me when you've done everything to destroy the people I love, the people I care about, and the things that I'm passionate about. And so often that's how we we take love and we reimagine it. Um, and it becomes a, a counterfeit type of love. And, you know, people outside of faith often love much greater than people in faith. And I think that's something that we should recognize and realize that that's also a big thing that, you know, having faith doesn't give you a corner on love. But you've got to have love uh, to show faith. So, you know, the only thing that counts is faith working through love. And uh, love seems to be the ultimate thing here. Three things remain, faith, hope, and love. And the Bible says in Corinthians 13 that the greatest of these is love. So love is the ultimate goal. And Paul makes that very clear here that the only thing that counts is faith made effective through love. So how do we affect our faith? How do we make our faith effective? How do we how does it work? By loving others. That's what it boils down to. Um what does Paul say love is? 
uh, 4 through 7 in Corinthians, I've always thought is good. Uh, 13, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So this is what uh, makes effective, is how faith is made effective, is by enduring all things, by doing, you know, never giving up, never losing faith, always being hopeful, enduring through every circumstance. That is is what Paul saw as love. And so when he says the only thing that counts is faith working through love is his faith is, or faith made effective through being patient and being kind. Faith being made effective from not being boastful or arrogant or rude or demanding your own way. It's made effective by not being irritable or resentful. It's made effective by not keeping wrong, keeping record of wrongdoings. You know, it's made effective by rejoicing in the truth. It's made effective by bearing all things, believing all things, hoping all things, and enduring all things. That's pretty mind-boggling. That's really good news. I'm tempted to stop right there, but we're going to go on a little bit. I don't think we're going to finish all the five today, but uh, we'll go on a little bit further. You're running well, seven says. Who prevented you from obeying the truth? Such persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. Back to going back to the law. A little yeast leaven the, leavens the whole batch of dough. So a little yeast in the bread just makes the dough rise. So he's saying, you know, a little bit of legalism in our world, a little bit of judgment goes a long way. And I think we've seen that affect the church unfortunately, for thousands of years. I am confident about you and the Lord that you will not think otherwise, but whoever it is that is confusing you will pay the penalty. But my friends, why am I still being persecuted if I am still preaching circumcision? Um, just to cover this point, is I think some people were saying that Paul still stood for circumcision as well. So some people were saying Paul didn't believe in circumcision and it was wrong, and then others were going, no, no. Uh, Paul believes you should be circumcised. So uh, he's making it clear that circumcision is not anything that he believes in. Um, Which, you know, you have to admit is pretty radical. Um, And maybe one of the reasons faith grew so fast uh, is because, you know, hey, once it's free and you don't have to cut your penis, um, seems a lot easier, you know. I know that most people today, if they had to cut their penis to join a faith, uh, probably would say, uh, I'll pass. So, well, that's my attempt at humor and truth. In that case, the offense, okay, in that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. So if we try to be saved through doing other things, the cross is null. I wish those who unsettle you would castrate themselves. Now, Paul is very angry at this point in saying, I wish they would cut their testicles off. I wish they would just get rid of everything rather than just cast, you know, rather than just circumcision. I wish they would castrate themselves and stop this. So, you know, Paul's angry. 
if you were in an argument and someone said, I wish you'd cut your balls off, you would probably realize that uh, there is, uh, <laughs> the person's pretty mad. And uh, Paul's making that clear. The uh, thing is, is we act like there's not this unsettling anger sometimes that comes from our uh, from our apostles in the Bible, but there is. And uh, and it's funny, you know, he's preaching grace, 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 forgiveness, and then all of a sudden he's like, I wish these people would castrate themselves. You know, is it an oxymoron? In some ways, yes, but it's extremely human. And we see the humanity of Paul here. And we're going to continue to see that. So here he has just said, I wish they would castrate themselves. And now he goes into <laughs> telling them to do the opposite in a way. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity uh, for self-indulgences or the flesh. But through love, become slaves to one another. Now there it comes again. The slave talk where he had used earlier that we were slaves to the law before. And then we've been set free from that. And even when we were heirs, we were no better than slaves. When we were heirs to grace uh, under the law, we were still no better than, sla- no better than slaves. Uh, he said, now there's neither male nor female, uh, junior, Gentile, free or slave. But he used the word slave as, as, as constantly, this is something he continues to use as something, as an example of what it's like to be under the law. Now he's saying, if you're going to be a slave to something, be a slave to the other. Be a slave to others for law, for love. But through love, become slaves to one another. And remember, we just looked at Corinthians 13, love never gives up never loses faith, always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. It's a tall order. It's something very hard to grasp. It's really good news when we think about ourselves and it comes to ourselves and we hear this and that helps me understand that Paul Tillich sermon where it says, accept that you're accepted. Even that what is unacceptable has been accepted. So accept it. And, and I go, oh, you know. That's pretty amazing. Um but then you think about how we uh, feel about politics right now and how we may feel about people on the other side of our politics, um, how we treat one another uh, in public squares and social media and things like that. And I ask you this, um, are we slaves to one another through love? Has love become made us slaves to one another? And are we treating one another with complete love? Now, sometimes loving people is telling them the truth and being firm about it um, and having arguments and having conversations. I think that's what grown adults do. And unfortunately, sometimes we just go to a point where we become straight enemies and uh, don't have an end game except for us to be right. Uh, and that's a, a, it can be a tough one. Uh, and I don't have the answers for all that. But I, I I do have the wherewithal to ask you and to ask myself when I'm in these situations is that am I being ultimately is love what I'm trying to become a slave to to the other person? Um, when I argue or debate with my father about his politics or about the way he thinks, am I doing it out of love or am I doing it out of frustration and out of my own insecurities? 
you know, uh, am I doing it out of this need to be politically correct? Uh, I honestly try to avoid social media to a certain extent because when I preach, I'm afraid it'll affect my preaching because not because of what the conservative people say, but because of what my fellow brothers and sisters in the liberal liberals say, you know, what we often call social justice warriors say, you know, we become, we've become so sensitive and become so easily irritated that, uh, I, I don't want to get in the place where I'm just writing sermons based to not offend my liberal brothers and sisters, my fellow liberal brothers and sisters. You know, I want to live in the truth and, uh, I want to love all people. And I don't want to be on, I think both sides are, we both, we miss the point on both sides. I don't think anybody's got the corner on, on truth these days, but man, it seems like it. it goes on to say for the whole law summed up in a single commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, clearly we have just gone over love, what love is, become a slave to one another in law. Paul is one against reiterating this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If however, he goes into a warning, and this is a very important one, you bite and devour one another. Take care that you are not consumed by one another. And I feel that we too often consume one another and we are consumed by the other and we allow that to happen and we allow ourselves to consume others and I think that that is a sad sight to see in today's faith. Um, I think we definitely missed the mark on that. And I wish, I wish it wasn't that way. I wish we weren't. I wish there wasn't so much anger and so much hate and so much resentment. We may not see it that way, but whatever that is boiling up inside us that causes us to mock one another, belittle one another, because um, we often belittle others because we feel like they're belittling people we love, but in a way we stoop to the same level, and I just don't know if that's love. And I can't help but think that maybe we are called to a higher standard, but not a higher standard of the law, a higher standard of love. I think it was in one of the U2 songs where Bono says, love's the higher law. You ask me to enter, but then you make me fall. I can't be holding on to what you got. And all you got is hurt. So, if love is the higher law, how do we take that? How do we beware of biting and devouring one another? Well, I think that's one thing that you have to do in your own life and you have to make that decision and you have to allow that to guide you. We've got some more of Galatians 5, but uh, I think we'll start with that next week and we'll probably even cover this again a little bit uh, next week as well. But remember, you know, the only thing that counts is faith working through love. <laughs> you know? Through love, become slaves to one another. Remember the whole law summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
And of course, beware of biting and devouring one another. So let that uh, soak in a little bit. Let that process in your faith. And maybe, you know, if you're out there being a good, you're a warrior online, maybe use that somehow. Love one another in that way. Love somebody that's hard to love. Find a way that's uniquely that. How it is that you would love them, how you'd want to be loved if you were in the same boat or on the other side, in the other shoes. You know, the other is not always those who are just suffering and poor, but sometimes those who are powerful and victims of misinformation are also those who are suffering and those we are called to love and bring healing to. So, I encourage you to do that. Thank you for listening to uh, Revolution, folks. As always, I am uh, grateful to have you here. And uh, if this is something you consider your church and you like what we're doing, um, you know, consider maybe making a donation because uh, Revolution exists only uh, by your support. Um, that's how we do it. So thank you so much for listening and uh, may grace and peace be with you. This is Revolution Church.